Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Paranormal Conversations Random Off-the-cuff discussions on all things paranormal Welcome to Paranormal Conversations number 11. Kelly, we're going to be joined by Courtney Eastman, who is more well known as The Ghoul Guide over on Instagram. I love her title. (laughs) Yes, she is a lot of fun. You guys are going to really enjoy this. It was really nice to kind of pick the brain of a younger person and see what some of her theories are on ghosts and such. Yeah, I agree. So here we go. Courtney Eastman is a paranormal investigator and haunted travel blogger, more widely known as the Ghoul Guide. She recently embraced her passion for the paranormal, although she's always been a fan of the creepy and weird. She not only has written pieces for the feminine macabre anthologies, She has an amazing Instagram with over 28,000 followers, which is where she grabbed our attention, of course. Her reels there feature haunted locations, and she asks some really unique questions of viewers. Courtney's traveled to dozens of locations, and her distinctive eye for photography is showcased in pictures she captures at those sites. Please welcome the Ghoul Guide. Yay! Yay! Well, Courtney, one of the things that we always like to start off asking everybody is clearly you got into this from a very young age. Tell us a little bit about that, how this all got started for you. So I have had the paranormal in my life as like this weird little constant. My house, like my childhood house is like surrounded by cemeteries. So at the end of like my street, there's a mile and a half long of just cemeteries So I looked at it every single day, like when I was just driving by or like going to school. And then my grandma would take care of us when we were little and her best friend across the street had that portion of the cemetery in her backyard too. So it was always just around me. Around seven years old, I had this weird experience where I woke up in the middle of the night and I remember looking out my bedroom window and at the bottom left or no, the bottom right, there was a face in the middle, like in the window pane. And I was just like, there's no possible way this is happening because I'm on the second floor. There's no way to get up to the window. And I just remember being so scared that I jumped out of bed and like hit around the corner. And I was like peeking out to like, see, it felt like it was forever, but it was probably like five minutes. And 
that was like my first paranormal experience that I kind of like just kept to myself. And it's just kind of bugged me all these years. And I wanted to know what it was, but at the time I was a little too afraid to even like dive into it. When I was like younger, like all the ghost shows were start were starting to come out too. So that also grabbed my attention. Um, I remember there was a show called Scariest Places on Earth with Linda Blair as the host. And a Buffalo or a family from Buffalo actually got to travel to Romania to do the Dracula's Castle hunt. And I remember just sitting there watching that, like, I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to go and I want to see all these weird places. And then it just it just kind of like became this like weird little normal in my life where I loved it, but like no one else around me loved it. So I was like, oh, <laughs> I just keep this all to myself. Then it's fine. <laughs> so recently you decided to jump in wholeheartedly. Was it because of the COVID lockdowns or was it for some other reason that you said, you know what, I've been putting this over into this closet over here. I'm going to pull it out. Yeah. So the ghoul guide kind of came out as like a quarantine passion project. Like I've been a paranormal investigator for 10, 12 years now. The first 10 years was like on and off. I could just do it whenever I wanted to. When everything slowed down, I kind of was just taking drives to get out of the house. I was going to cemeteries. I just find my way at like Rolling Hills, which is only like 45 minutes away from me or like downtown to like the Buffalo Center Terminal. And I loved all these places. And it kind of just like hit me in the face one day. Like you love traveling you love the ghost, you love ghost stories, you love Instagram. So just merge (laughs) them all together. Like you're staring at your phone anyways. So might as well do something productive with it. And I gave myself this weird little deadline of October 1st. I wanted to be out for spooky season and I was just going to see what happened. And it's been like almost two years now that I've been doing the ghoul guide and it's just been nonstop and I love every minute of it. That's so awesome. I love that backstory. You know, it's such a passion and it's so clear, you know, watching you talk about it and your expression and your passion. So something that we always ask everyone and there's no wrong answer. And obviously we'll never know until we are one essentially is what do you think a ghost is? Oh, oh, this is a good question. Um, it could be I, an array of things. It doesn't yeah, have to it, just be it's one not thing. Like, Right. It's not like one label. You can have all different kinds of ideas. We just want to know what your thoughts are. I I personally like to think as ghosts of being the past. Like whenever I hear ghosts, like that's the first thing that pops in my head. So I, I like to say like it's the ghost of like what we once had. So just like everything forgotten. It's kind of just like thrown by the wayside and it's it's still there. It's still in the back of your mind, but like you're not seeing it full frontal, I guess you can say. But yeah, I guess it's kind of like that. If it wants to make itself like like an actual spirit, like if it wants to make itself known, it's going to find a way to make itself known. What's interesting about you is, you know, most paranormal investigators, the holy grail is actually seeing a spirit. And wow, you've already <laughs> taken care of that as a kid. Yeah. But I know looking at some of your uh, Instagram posts and stuff, you've talked about seeing shadow figures and things like that. Can you describe what it's like to see a shadow figure? And do you find them to be scary? Not so scary? What's your thoughts on that? So I personally love shadow figures. I've always been drawn to them. I just think they're the coolest thing, but yet they're the most like weird and kind of like the most scariest thing to some people because you can see the shadow. Like, um, I've seen one where they're kind of like gray, translucent. I guess you can call it a full body apparition, but I always like to refer to it as a shadow because I didn't know what it was. You can kind of see them from like any 
and like a gray translucent to like darker than dark. Like I've seen some where I've been kind of just like in the pitch black in the middle of the woods, like in an abandoned uh, TV sanitarium. And I've seen something standing next to me. I know it was there. All the lights were off. Like we only had the moon, the moonlight come through, but I know something was there because I saw the shape. I saw how dark it was, but like when we flipped the lights back on, it wasn't there. So I don't know. I think they're super cool. They're, they're this weird little thing that I guess every building is starting like kind of has, or like starting kind of to get, I guess you can say. Um, I got really into them when I went to Rolling Hills Asylum because they have a whole hallway called shadow hallway. And the whole thing is what you do is like, you kind of sit down, you turn all the lights off and you let your eyes adjust and you keep looking down this long hallway and you just see them walk back and forth. They'll poke their head out. They'll do anything. And I feel like that's like one of like the first things that I've seen besides like the shadow or like the figure in my window. I feel like when I went on to an investigation, a shadow is like one of the first things I was like, holy crap, I see that. Like that's real. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh my God. So I think that's why I'm so drawn to them. But then I've kind of just, I'm just seeing them out of the corner of my eyes at some places. I'm seeing them on tours. So I don't know. I just think they're just really cool. They're really neat. They're always going to be a mystery to me because I'll never exactly know what it is. I love that. And actually, I had a very similar experience. I I had a few experiences prior, but one of my first experiences that I know for certain was an entity was actually at McPike Mansion. Which Ooh. I realized that <laughs> looking at your Instagram that you had been there. And when you say, you know, you can see them, it's blacker than black. I know a lot of people don't believe it because they haven't experienced it. Mm-hmm. But I I had Mr. Henry. He crossed in front of me. He came back. He got down on my level because I was sitting in a chair and he was like looking at me. And I was shocked that I wasn't fearful. I just felt very intrigued and and comfortable and excited. Yeah. I remember when I went to Waverly Hills for the first time last spring, I was on the fourth floor and I was looking down and I was seeing one walk towards me. And like in that moment, I was just standing still and I wasn't scared. I was just like, holy crap, this is happening. Like, (laughs) Like it's walking towards me. And then like one of my friends at the time, she poked her head out of the room that I was standing next to and she scared the crap out of me but then I just turned her head and I was like look and, <laughs> and she like grabbed onto my arm she's like holy crap and then like we were both seeing this but our friends came down the staircase and that took our attention away and by the time we looked it was gone I don't know but like you but that- said like I wasn't I wasn't afraid I wasn't like terrified it was just like what is that like what is going on right now but what's so cool about that is you had a shared experience. She mm-hmm. saw it too. You yeah. Know, you might have gotten <laughs> distracted and looked away and then came back and it, and it was gone. But you were able to share that with somebody. And unfortunately, in my situation, <laughs> I don't think anybody else saw it. But Well, and I often wonder when you see like a shadow figure, is it that they can't completely manifest or is it some other kind of entity other than, you know, generally when we're talking about a ghost, it's a human spirit or something like that. You know, is it something that's not of that making? Is it Mm -hmm. some other kind of entity? And so they can't fully show themselves. But then of course, you know, Kelly's talking about Henry McPike. So obviously he was a human at one time. And what is interesting to me, because I've actually never seen one. I've been in Waverly Hills and, you know, they have the fourth floor there is also kind of considered their shadow figure floor. 
And I saw things that looked like they were poking out of doors, but I also was like, I don't know if my eyes are just playing tricks on me because it's so dark up here and there's that ambient light at the mm-hmm. end of the hallway. So I don't really feel like I saw anything there. So when she described it to me, I'm like, that just sounds so weird to be able to see something that even though it's pitch, it was pitch black down in the basement there at McPike Mansion. Yeah, couldn't see your hand in front of your face at all. See the outline of whatever this is. So I was just like, is it just because he can't fully manifest or that's just the way he shows himself? It's just fascinating. It is. I I feel like we might never know the answer. I don't know. That's how I kind of feel about the paranormal in general. And that's what it keeps like getting me to come back to it. Just because of all the open-ended questions, like all the theory, like I love talking theories with people. Hearing that question, because I never actually thought about that. Like, oh. Are they just a shadow because they can't manifest all the way? Hmm. But that's that's something definitely to look into and like kind of ponder on. It was really fun. On our last interview, we had Malia, who is Macabre Mondays on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And she had made this comment about, you know, is there an expiration date on a haunting? Because she's been to some places over in London where she said, you know, the Tower of London is supposed to be all kinds of haunted. And she went in there and didn't feel a thing. And so she's like, do you think there could be an expiration date? Like, okay, the haunting's done there. And I was just like, I'd never thought of that. So it's fun to talk with each other to get these different ideas. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting theory because we don't in general have any reports of having contact from someone who's like of the era of Britney Spears or something like that. We always we always go back to that. It's like it's Britney B, you know, But but we don't have that. I mean, it's generally from an era so far bygone that it's really curious to wonder if there is an expiration on it. And so I guess we'll never really know until we're there or until we get old enough and maybe Britney (laughs) or somebody like Britney comes back or parachute pants or I don't know. Love it. (laughs) I don't know if you would remember, but what was the first place that uh, you went in and did a paranormal investigation? My very first like actual location, uh, it was the Buffalo Central Terminal. I want to say this was like at least 12 years ago because I just shared it. My Facebook just reminded me of it. So it was 12 years ago. I actually got to investigate the terminal with John Zaffis, Steve Gonzalez, and Dave Tango. How um, fun! <laughs> yeah. Everyone kind of like, that was your first one? I was like, yeah, that's my first one. That's the one I count as my first one. Like the other little ones were like, the cemeteries by my house with like a bunch of friends, like me trying to convince them it like goes for real, like we should do this. But um, yeah, that was the first one. It was really fun. Um, the Buffalo Central Terminal was this like huge train station that kind of like helped put Buffalo on the map. So it saw this amazing life. And then when the war came, they were just shipping um, sh- soldiers out of it. And then it just fell into decline with the Great Depression. And it's kind of just been in ruins ever since. There's been multiple like ways or multiple times where it's trying to come back to life. And I think they're like on the right path right now, but it's this really old, massive train station. And I remember being up on the third floor with John Zaffis. And that was the first time I ever heard a spirit box. And he was looking around wanting people to ask questions. And I remember being like, when's your birthday? And he looked at me and he was like, that's such a great question. I was like, oh my God. I love this. <laughs> I was like, I just made it. <laughs> That's awesome. Because, you know, when you're investigating, so many times people will just ask the same basic questions. And yep. so that's why that's such a great question. Yeah. 
So like my little like teenage heart was like dying on the inside, but it, <laughs> it was like such a cool night. I remember like watching them on TV when like when Taps first started. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap. Like the, like they're real. They're real. They're here. And <laughs> <laughs> like most girls like fangirled over like boy bands and stuff. I was doing it over like paranormal investigator. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That would be us as well. It's like, oh, I don't know who that celebrity is over there, but oh my gosh, the guys <laughs> from Ghost Hunters. Right? I can pick Jason out of a crowd no matter what. Oh, easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something else that's really fun about your Instagram that I absolutely love is you'll make a, a reel and you'll put up these three locations that are in one place. Like again, going back to Waverly Hills, you'll be like, okay, you have to do a solo investigation. <laughs> which one of these areas are you going to solo investigate? And I love that because it makes people go, ooh, that would be kind of scary to do it all by myself, which makes me want to ask you, have you solo (laughs) investigated anywhere, like a particular section when you're with people? Or have you actually gone into a haunted location by yourself and investigated? Um, So I do these games and I will say I'm the first person who hates to do solos. I hate them. (laughs) I hate them so much. Though I've been doing this for like 12 years now, the past, like the past two years since I've been doing this with a ghoul guide, I've been going like really hardcore into it. So I'm still like getting my bearings and still like shaking off some of the nerves at these places. There have been times where I've gone off alone, hated every minute of it, but I've done it. I will say we kind of like made this game in lo- in some locations that is a solo loca- like is a solo game and kind of puts you out of your comfort zone. So we made this game called the Sticky Note Challenge. We put our names on sticky notes and we hide them throughout the entire location. Um, and then you have to go in by yourself and just try to find a sticky note. It doesn't have to be yours. It could be someone else's, but your main purpose is to find one. So that's how I do my solos. (laughs) Um, I did one at the Saratoga County Homestead and it kind of, it took me 15 minutes. I was like flabbergasted at that because I thought I was (laughs) going to be there way longer. I don't know. It's just a fun little way to get you out of your comfort zone, which I'm like really starting to try to do now. So with these games, I also kind of want to get you guys out of your comfort zone too. Um, I love that. I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Well, not only that, but putting somebody out of their comfort zone brings the fear in. And exactly. I think a lot of us, when it comes to hauntings, I think entities tend to feed off of that kind of thing, especially if they're negative. So to put yourself in a fear state might help to generate that activity a little bit. So it's kind of good to do that, I think. Yeah. And then I also like to think with the people rotating in and out, with each chance that, or like with each turn you have going inside, everyone's just looking around like, why is someone just running around looking for something like a chicken with their head <laughs> yes. cut off? And then like another person comes in and doesn't be like, what is going on? And, um, I want to say like the last time we did it, I want to say like one of the ghosts messed with us because we had five post-it notes and everyone but one person found theirs. And after the game, we scoured the place And then the next morning we went back to the same location and hung out and we were looking for the same thing. We looked absolutely everywhere. This one piece of paper could not be found. And then two days later, while my friend was giving a tour of the location, it ended up being found on a windowsill in one of the bathrooms. So it's like, I think they were messing with us. (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely agree with that statement (laughs) for sure. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. 
Uh, you wrote an article about the Indiana State Sanatorium, which I'd never heard of before for the Haunted History Chronicles. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that location since we've never heard of it before? So Indiana State Sanatorium what is basically like a brand new haunt to everyone now. It kind of came on the scene in 2020 after the owner who has it now purchased it. So back in the day, it was the first sanatorium for Indiana State, I want to believe. It was like for that county. It took care of all this TB patients. It was massive. It was basically like another complex where they came and, you know, they lived on site. So they had like goats and chickens and stuff. So it was its own little compound. And then after the TB era ended, it kind of got transformed into the Lee Bryant Allen or the Allen Lee Bryant nursing facility. So the main structure you see, it's a five story. That was pretty much for their psych patients and like they're mentally ill. Each floor was uh, staggered. So like the third floor would be like women who couldn't come into any contact with men. And like the fifth floor was like the most violent offenders that were there. You had that building and then it, um, it led through the kitchen and that would lead you into the nursing wing. And that would be four, four long hallways of a nursing, of a, just a modern day nursing home. And then it would lead into admin, but the nursing home closed probably about 11 years ago after various reports of neglect. Um, Some patients were getting out. One was even found in the river. I want to say like maybe not the river, the creek, um, maybe like two miles from the location. He had passed because he fell and drowned. Mm -hmm. But the final nail in the coffin for this uh, nursing home was an actual murder-suicide from the staff. Some staff member came in disgruntled, took it out on another co-worker, and then ultimately killed himself in the laundry room or in the laundry building that's behind the five-story. And, you know, that was kind of just like, we need to put an end to it. So then it's been, it's just been sitting abandoned. And basically since that last day that the key was turned to lock up the place, everything has just been left there. It is literally frozen in time. Um, You go in the laundry room and there's a calendar from June 2011. There's still linens packed away in a room as if they're getting ready to be used. There's still beds. There's Mm. still file folders. When you walk into the morgue, there's nothing but files in there. So we we had the chance to read like incident reports coming out of the building. We were seeing um, personal belongings from the actual patients. So it really was as if it was just frozen in time and just left to the elements. It's amazing that uh, it's not as vandalized as it could have been, but uh, it's a great place. Definitely terrifying. <laughs> I spent a weekend there last last August. We spent about three days out there. And from the minute we got on the property to the minute we left, we were just getting messed with pretty much. It was about a nine hour drive for me. So I didn't get to the property until like midnight on that first night. And we, we kind of explored and investigated from midnight to three in the morning and we were talking, but I think I went to bed maybe around four. So from four to six in the morning, um, I was trying to sleep in the back building, which is on the ruins of what the children's wing used to be. And the entire two hours I was trying to sleep before the sun came up, um, it, all I kept hearing were knocks in my room and it felt like every time I was just about to fall asleep my sleeping bag would get like tugged off the bed. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I know this is a sleeping bag, but it shouldn't be falling off the bed. And every time I looked, it wouldn't be anywhere near the side of the bed. And I was like, what is happening? 
we were like my friend heard a cough at one point and the the person who like help runs the place she ultimately told us that it was for the children's wing and so we're like oh cool <laughs> but um a lot of people are like a lot of people even in the same area that i slept in they had the same reports of getting messed with while they were sleeping even like hearing talking or like coughing like they would back in the tv days but yeah I was just going to say, it sounds like the kiddos were trying to get your attention. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could dig it, but I just wanted a little bit of sleep. <laughs> yeah. I Believe me, I understand that as well. So I have to ask in terms of, you know, when you're leaving a location, what are your practices to avoid bringing anything home? So I personally don't believe in attachments or anything like that just because I haven't experienced anything like that. But if it comes, like if I have a weird feeling about a place or if things were getting we- way too weird that night, I make sure I travel with a whole bunch of crystals in my car so nothing happens. And then I also do this fun little ritual where I wipe my feet on the ground about like three times and I say, whatever stays must remain. So far it's worked. I haven't brought anything home like yeah, I haven't brought anything home that I know of. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just quick and simple. It's nothing too crazy. That's pretty much like us. We have black tourmaline that we keep in the car and we just make a little statement, you know, thanks for chatting with us tonight. We appreciate it, but you do have to stay here. You cannot come home with us. And yeah, simple. I always believe in the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. No. <laughs> so far, so good. I love that. I, it's just quick and easy. You don't really have to go over the top with things, but you you do have to set some boundaries if you feel like you need to. So I just think that's quick and easy. So anyone can take it if they want it. <laughs> You've been to Hinsdell House, right? I have. It looks like there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on there. What was it like for you to investigate there? Actually, the two nights that we spent there, we they were kind of like they were kind of dull. We did have one, we did have like one crazy thing happen that we couldn't explain. We were all kind of like hanging out. It was myself, Amanda, who does the feminine macabre, the girls and like three other girls who were in the book. We were all hanging out and we were talking. And as we were talking, a picture frame kind of like fell off the wall in the bathroom. I didn't think anything of it because I just saw it out of the corner of my eye. I thought it was like a covering that just fell. And then we walked in and we saw it and there was like, it had to have like jumped off of the nail somehow. Like there was no way it could just like fell. Like the nail was still on the wall. So that was like one of like the weirdest things we've experienced there. But other than that, we've kind of had like a tame night. I want to say Amanda heard footsteps between me and her as we were sleeping in the living room together. But of course I didn't hear it because I was passing on the couch already. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like it's just been quiet for us. A lot of people say that some of the activity tends to die out around like midnight, one o'clock. So you'll probably get your burst of activity here and there. But for me, the two times that I've been there um, and actually like investigated the house, it's been quiet, but there could be there. That's the paranormal for you. Like there could be nights where it's just like off the wall and you are just hearing things left and right or just having a crazy night. But for us, it was just kind of tame. And I don't mind that. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's nice for it to be mellow. But what we have experienced, and I don't know if anything is similar for you, it seems like as we start getting overly tired now, 
obviously we're a bit more mature, older, <laughs> not, not mature in terms of personality, but you know, older as our energy levels start like really depleting, it seems like everything else falls off as well. Have you had any experience that way? I don't know. I, I want to say no, but also I, I don't think I've paid attention that much to actually like give a decent answer to that. I'm kind of the person where you just get way too caught up in the moment and just kind of forget about everything and like forget to like really focus on stuff. She's yeah. young. She's young. <laughs> Give her time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's all, it's like the 15, 15 Red Bulls I drink and, and oh, during an investigation. Sure. Yeah, all we do is just drink help. Red Bulls and live off of Scooby snacks. <laughs> but it. I don't know. The only thing like when it comes in terms of like activity that I've actually like picked up on, I want to say like whenever we're not paying attention or like we're not even doing anything remotely about the paranormal, that's when activity like starts happening for us. But I even noticed like it calming down towards the end of the night. But that's something interesting to look out for. That's a good point because there'll be times where, you know, we have the flashlight set up to do the flashlight experiment and it won't turn on or anything like that. And then somebody else will come into the room and you start talking to them. And then all of a sudden the flashlight turns on like, hey, you're not paying attention to me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so we definitely have gotten that feeling. But yeah, like Kelly says, we'll get to where we'll have been at a property for, you know, five hours or something. And we're all just kind of sitting on the floor and people are like, I don't know what question to ask or what to do. And you could just tell the energy in the mm-hmm. room has gone down. And then, yeah. And Kelly's sensitive too. like I say, I'm as sensitive as a rock. So I don't really notice the energy going up or down. <laughs> But and she'll just be like, I feel like there's nothing here anymore. Like, it's just, you know, they're they're tired. And if you think that whatever this thing is that we're interacting with feeds a little bit off of us, if our energy's down, then maybe they don't have enough to feed off of to keep Mm -hmm. doing whatever they're doing, whether it's manifesting or interacting with equipment or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely interesting. We've had that happen kind of at the place that we recognized that the most was Madison Seminary. I don't know if you guys have been, but Madison Seminary is this cool little place out in Madison, Ohio. And we were kind of just hanging out in the asylum, not even investigating. We were playing a game of checkers on the ground while uh, my friend's husband was rolling around in one of the wheelchairs, taking B-roll on his camera. (laughs) And that's when we were like, we caught a voice on one of the videos he took. He didn't even hear it at the time, but we like, he played it back and we all turned around. We're like, what was that? So we heard that. And then as we were playing checkers down the hall, you would hear like rappings and like knocking on the, on the walls and stuff. So we're like, you guys want our attention? Like you have it. And like, we did our DR session and we got some like crazy responses on that. But, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something about them wanting our attention. They're like, you guys are here, here, like, here we are. And I was like, no, we'll just play checkers instead. It's cool. Yeah, exactly. I I can definitely see that, you know, in the afterlife that they're, they're kind of looking at you saying, why are they playing checkers? Why are they not asking us questions? Like, what is this situation? Kind of like when you do the sticky note uh, Mm -hmm. challenge or game. Definitely. I, I can, I can see that happening. I did want to ask you, do you have a favorite location that you photographed? Oh, I have a few. Uh, it's so hard to just kind of like narrow it down to one. But I would say my favorite one to like photograph would probably be the Saratoga County Homestead, which is a TB hospital out in the Anirondack Mountains. It's featured on Destination Fear. It's kind of like the place that I've started to call home over the past year. Uh, it's 
it's just this phenomenal shell of itself. Um, and it's been, sadly, it's been sitting abandoned more than it's been in operation. And it's just, it's kind of just completely destroyed, but there's still so much charm left in it. And there's still like little hints of the past still lingered within it. So it really just takes someone to kind of just like appreciate it and appreciate all its little gems. But that's probably like one of my favorite ones to photograph between the graffiti that's all over the walls or the massive staircase that's still holding up after all these years and the long, really long hallways. Um, it's, It's just one of my favorites. I love that. And it is all about the appreciation for these old buildings and everything that's gone on in them, having that eye and having that appreciation. I don't know, of course, all the places that you've been in. Do you mostly just stick to places that have been investigated a lot? Have you been to some that haven't had a whole lot of investigating going on? And then based on whatever your answer is there, do you find if you've gone into places that have had less investigating going on, more activity there as opposed to something that has had so many people and it's just like saturated? Oh, this is a good one. I kind of have a mixture of both. I've kind of been going to a lot of the bucket list locations that I've always wanted to go to and the ones that are kind of featured on TV. And then I've also gone to ones that, you know, are slowly starting to become into the paranormal scene, like the Indiana State Sanatorium or like Green County Poor Farm. I kind of, if I had to choose between both of them, I kind of like the ones that, you know, haven't had a lot of people in there because we kind of run with this little theory that, you know, what if we're the ghosts? But this is going to be this weird little rabbit hole, but you got to stick with me for a second. Go there, um, go there. Yeah, but please do. What if, if, what if we're the ghosts? Like, what if, you know, the person in white or, you know, the shadow figure was just us in some weird time frame from when we visited there? And now, like, we're just seeing that. The perfect example I have of this is us from last summer at the Indiana State Sanatorium. So there was about seven of us on these steps. And there is two ways to get into the room. And those are the only two ways to leave If besides if you go out the front door. And we were all sitting up on these steps. And coming from the one door, it looked like two people were walking in with a flashlight. And you could see the lights on the wall. You could see them moving. And I made the joke, like, here comes the light. And then they all, then they kind of like went across the wall and we never saw them again. We were expecting people to walk in, but no one walked in. And we all kind of just sat there and looked at each other like, did that just happen? And two (laughs) people, two people just got up and ran. They checked everything. They checked (laughs) down the hallway. They checked in the other rooms. There was no way that these lights could have just appeared. And me and me and my friend Steve, we were talking to each other. And it's like, well, what if that was me and my friend, me and Addie from two nights ago when we got stuck in that same doorway because of the bats? So like, what if we, everyone on the steps saw that glimpse of a moment of me and Addie getting stuck at the, at the door frame? So going back to your question, um, I kind of like the places that are, under investigated because you don't really have that that theory playing in if that is the case if if I'm making sense no um, you totally are okay so yeah like you don't want a place to like Waverly Hills Waverly Hills is always going to be a great place it's always going to be investigated but are the ghosts that we're coming in contact with or the shadows we're seeing or the noises we're hearing are they actually ghosts or is it just us from like two years ago 
when we went this past spring, uh, we spent three days in a row there. And the second night, it was just 10 of us going to town and scaring each other like any way we could. And we got to the point where our friend had a white mumu with her. So she put it on and put her black hair in front of her <laughs> face and stood in a doorway. And we convinced people were like, yeah, go to the fourth floor. And we shut all the lights off and two people saw her and all you hear is just their souls leaving their bodies. And it was the funniest thing. But then the tour guide, Vince, he was like, yeah, they say they see a lady in white. So we're like, did we just make the lady in white? Like going back to what is a ghost? I sometimes think that it is a time space overlap, something like that. And I always kind of said, oh, well, maybe, you know, it's that ghost in the Victorian dress that's seeing us in our T-shirt and jeans <laughs> and we're seeing each other in each other's time frame, but neither one of us is dead. But now this is a really interesting theory that you've come up with here, because what if it's not a, that Victorian ghost? It's like you said, us there. And this goes back to we had Jim Harold on and he had told a story of one of the listeners had shared on the campfire. And I think it was something along the lines of he saw this little boy later on in life. And as a boy, he remembered seeing this spirit, like in the kitchen of the house or something like that. And when he thought back on it, he's like, wait a minute, when I was a boy, I was seeing myself as an adult. And now that I'm an adult, I'm seeing myself as a boy. And it's that same moment in time that there was like oh. this space time thing that happened, which is oh, so bizarre. that's so weird. But it feeds that's into so what you're saying. Only you're not even talking about twenty year time frame. You're talking yeah. just a couple years. So I mean, there's a possibility. A couple days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I've always thought about the theory that you brought up about like we we joke about this sometimes. Like when we're walking through like the buildings on investigations, like you know, what if it's not nighttime for them? And what if it's like during the day and we're like, we're interrupting everything. Like <laughs> I can only imagine them on this like other side of like this time room being like, who are these people with the book bags dressed on all black and yelling at us? Like, I don't. So... <laughs> Most <laughs> so I don't definitely. Know. Yeah. And so on that, on that note, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, oh, no, I no, just wanted to ask in that same kind of line of thinking, what do you think about tulpas? Oh, I mean, that technically, you know, for busy places like Waverly yeah. and stuff like that, places that have been investigated a lot. Yeah, we, we sometimes wonder if it's not necessarily a ghost of somebody yeah, who's been there before. It's mm -hmm. because so many people have been there, they've created something. Yeah, right. Everybody yeah, thinking can... about it, concentrating on it, and then just manifesting it. Yes. And, and that can be said with Waverly for not only this little boy, Timmy, who's there. But also the creeper or whatever shadow figure is called the creeper. Could there have been a Timmy there? And is he trying to talk to anyone? Absolutely. But I've known about the story of Timmy for like the past 20 years now, ever since I was like eight. So <laughs> if I've known it for 20 years and people have been going in and out of that building almost every single day for the past 20 years, trying to talk to Timmy or trying to talk to, you know, the nurse in 502 that ultimately had an accident and hung herself or so be it, whatever the legend may be, because there's so many different options to it. Who is to say that, you know, we didn't just manifest this by just our thoughts and, you know, our constant questions and all the energy we're putting into this space, you know, trying to get something to work and trying to get something, you know, to come from it to be like, oh, hey, like we actually did talk to Timmy while we're there. Or, hey, we actually reached out to Sarah. So 
I feel like some of like the bigger ones could have those there, but I don't know. I feel like any location could have them, but I want to say like the major ones could possibly have them and you just have to watch for them. Something that I really appreciate about you, Courtney, is the fact that you value the history of places. Like you just mentioned the Green County Poor Farm. And that made me think about, I think you have a post up on Instagram where you were in the middle of investigating and then you were like, oh, somebody said, hey, you want to question some of these original documents from the poor farm? And you're like, oh, yeah. So I was like, that's really cool. Well, thank you. Growing up, I always loved history. Like I, to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a history teacher. And that just never happened. And that's okay. But I, I really love like dark and forgotten and the weird history that no one wants to talk about. And especially poor farms, like these places were some of like the worst of worst places. And they house people that A, shouldn't have been there and B, just didn't need to be there. When I saw these records, the I want to say his name was Andy. I'm actually seeing him tomorrow. He was like, hey, does anyone want to see records? I threw my book bag down so fast. I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, I didn't even wait for anyone to like see if anyone wanted to come with us. I was just so excited about going. And he was showing me all the ledgers. And like someone was in there just because they were pregnant. Someone was in there just because they didn't want them and their family anymore. Like it, it was heartbreaking to see. And then to even like read some of the articles and even the letter that was sent to the newspaper from one of the inmates to get the, to help get, uh, get the place shut down that I just treasured it so much because I never expected to see that. I knew that history was there, but for it to, to present itself and for, you know, someone else to appreciate and, you know, keep the stories going. I don't know. I think that's just what my mission for this is kind of just be that other little person to help keep the stories going so no one else is forgotten. Yeah, we definitely love that. We feel the same. You've been to Whitechapel. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, what how is that? I I can't imagine being in a plane for that long, but that would be one of the places that I would want to check out too. And it looked like such a cool museum that you went through. So yeah, that actually was a spur of the moment thing. Not Whitechapel, just going there, <laughs> going to the museum. About I want to say like 2018 into 2019. I jumped on a just a random trip through like this college group and it was basically just I spent a few days in Dublin and then a f- I spent New Year's Eve and a few days after in London and we had a free day and we were supposed to go see the Tower of London but we didn't get there in time so we were looking at other things to do and just right down the street from the Tower of London probably about like 5 minutes was um, the Jack the Ripper Museum. And I was so on board with it. I was like dragging people there. I was like, we need to do this immediately. It's this really cool house. It looks like a house and it's an interactive museum. And you have to start, um, you have to start on the bottom and kind of like work your way up. And the bottom is like the morgue area. So they have, um, I have a picture of this on my Instagram, but there's like an old autopsy table. And then around the room, they have the portraits the postmortem portraits or even some portraits of the ladies of the victims from Jack the Ripper. And it went into what their name was, what their occupation was and how exactly they were, they were killed. So that was really cool. And then as you move up to the museum, you start going through like who it could have been like the entire story. At one point we were playing dress up in like the, the library. Like we had like the capes on and everything Um, And they had like actual notes from Jack the Ripper there. And they had, they kind of had like everything laid out. So if anyone ever finds their way into London and Whitechapel, 
I highly recommend it. It's was one of the funnest afternoons I've had. Definitely one of the highlights of that trip. Well, Courtney, we want to thank you for joining us. This has been amazing. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about where they can find out more about you? Of course. Thank you for having me. But if anyone wants to find out more about me, you can go on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. I'm all under the Ghoul Guide, so you don't really have to look hard. But I'm also going to be hanging out at, you know, Crescent Sanatorium coming up soon. I got a few things in the work with them and I'll be bouncing around at different hunts. So if you ever see me out at a location, come hang out. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. We certainly appreciate you. Thank you. Kelly, that was a lot of fun. Hopefully we get a chance to meet up with her somewhere along the route. She was like, Florida is a bit far for me to go down to. I was like, do you know how much haunted stuff is down here? No kidding. But she's like, well, Kentucky's about as far south as I go. I think it's because, you know, she drives everywhere. Right. I'm like, um, we've driven up to West Virginia. We're getting ready to drive up to Salem. <laughs> want to thank you guys for tuning in to this paranormal conversation. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. Bye.